In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in. To kind of catapult the propaganda. It's time for the January 29th edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a reality-based mash of contemporary events compiled from the world's great newspapers and blogs at NathanCallahan.com, including a special in-depth look at the race for the White House. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And now, the news. Venezuela's president, Hugo Chavez. Yes. You know about him. I do know. He said that he regularly, regularly consumes cocoa, the source of uh, cocaine. He just chews on it all the time. Which is a, which is a tradition. It's a traditional <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. For uh, me. For you. For Right? Apparently, in That's his a, in his name, I have many traditions. <laughs> and this is, and this officer. Is, <laughs> please do not deny <laughs> me my my heritage, my traditional uh, tribal Caucasian heritage, ca- Caucasian ceremonial chewing of the cocoa. Um, so uh, he does this on a regular basis. <laughs> Starting of the dust of the dust of the gods. Um, well, uh, d- d- I, I chew cocoa every day in the morning, and look how I am. He <laughs> said. On a video, there's a speech, and he made the muscles. You know, <laughs> did the, he do he, the he thing? Yeah. His, yeah. His, uh, you know, his arms up and whatever you do, that, that muscle that he, pose. Yeah, there. yeah. There must be a name for the muscle pose. Oh, I'm sure there is. The I don't know, the Schwarzenegger. I don't know the, what it's called. The biceps. The biceps. Yeah. Yeah. So he does that. Well, he huh? He, he doesn't drink alcohol though. Oh, there you go. And he said that uh, just as Fidel sends me copalia ice cream and a lot of other things that regularly reach me from Havana. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what those other yeah, things are. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> uh, Bolivian President Evo Morales. Yes. Does he chew? Sends it? me cocoa paste. We'll see. There you cocoa go. Cocoa paste. So there you go. So <laughs> he now, butters his toast with it in the morning. So you can uh, just, uh, I'm waiting to, to for uh, Condoleezza Rice and uh, some of the other administrators, and, and probably G- uh, George Bush to uh-huh. call for the arrest uh-huh. Of Hugo Chavez and Eva Morales, Eva Morales for trafficking, for drug trafficking, and and God knows what they'll say about well, Hugo Chavez. Well, no, knowing George Bush, yeah, I mean he's going to be retiring in a couple years. What does he care? Yeah, probably he might go but down anyway, there is, and, and uh, I don't, I don't, take up an old. Habit. I don't know that I've ever heard a a, a world leader, a, a, a nation of what am I trying to say? The president of a nation admit to taking. He's not admitting any. He's he's. It, admission would be something he'd be ashamed of, I guess. Than boasting about the fact that he's he taking something. Boasting. He is. Yeah, kind of, but okay. anyway. it would be like you know, if you said I eat my Wheaties every morning, would that be a boast? I don't. You, well, or I guess. I guess the question is, I don't know. Is is that illegal? As a matter of fact, I believe it is. It, it, that that it, would be illegal in his country. Oh, well. that's at least that's what the story goes on to say. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> The West must be ready to resort to a preemptive nuclear attack to try to halt the imminent spread of nuclear and other weapons of mass destructions, according to a manifesto for a new NATO by five of the West's most senior military officers oh, and strategists. Right. So what they're saying there. We have to be ready. For NATO. Yeah. A preemptive. Have, yeah. A preemptive nuclear strike in case somebody has nuclear weapons. Right. I think that's kind of circular, isn't it, though? Yeah. Because if you have nuclear weapons, then you should strike yourself preemptively. There you go. Mm. Oh, this is frightening. So these are the top strategists for NATO are uh-huh. discussing this. I assume this is there's probably an American general or two in that mix, probably a German and a French and a British general talking about this stuff. Um, there is a lot of speculation uh, in the air yeah. about a, the possibility of a preemptive strike on Iran, if it should ever come to that, that we may need to do something like that. And, uh, you know. And you know. I, well, I just wonder, I'm really, truly, I don't know exactly, um, you know, what the threshold, what the threshold of pain for the American people and for the world on, on this question. At what point are people going to say, I, I just heard an interview by a named Richard Rose. Who wrote, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? Enough. No. I go and back. You just to the, heard an interview. Oh, it was a guy, Richard Rose, who wrote a book on the nuclear, <laughs> uh, on on, on uh, the, sort of the history of nuclear weapons and the use and not use and all that, uh-huh. uh, and the development of them. And uh, he basically said that uh, when uh, when and I've said this before when when they were making the calculation during the Cuban Missile Crisis as to what if what are the 
possible outcomes of a of an exchange between the Soviets and the United States, and yeah. what what would happen. And the calculation was if the Soviets were able to get one missile through every twenty four hours for three or four days, yeah. the United States would effectively be destroyed as a civilization. And they had hundreds; we had more than they did. This is, and, it's like how many. But angels I, are dancing on the head. Well, of a pin, no. Though. My point I, is, my point is, it takes so few. It would take literally the idea of deterrence and all that is crazy. Deterrence is just another way of feeding the military-industrial complex because you can never have enough deterrence. You will continually build and build and build until, like we are today, ten, twenty thousand nuclear weapons. You know, yeah. ten of which are enough to probably destroy the life on this planet as we know it. So uh, people people are riding in their cars this morning. It's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, it is. And nice here day. you are talking about. Well, I just it, you you just opened up a can of worms here. You opened it. Uh, th- this I didn't whole open idea, any worms. You did. You did. I thought we should preempt ourselves. That's all I said. Okay. Since we have nuclear weapons, we had. I mean, it, it it's it is the elephant in the room. It's something we rarely discuss anymore. Where did you get that clever saying, "elephant in the room"? I, I, just, like came up, I just came up. I just came up with it because really? because. I've been thinking a lot That's about great. it. Yeah, because I'm tired, of the, I'm tired of the gorilla in the in the room. Thing. It's not gorilla's not in the room. It's an 800 pound gorilla. Okay, I'm tired of that one. Yeah, I'm going to move, on. I'm gonna move on to another tired cliche because yeah. right, I'm sick of that one. Okay, no, all all I'm saying is we don't ever in this country. There was a time in the in for from the 60s. We don't ever in this country. There was a time. Oh, wait, let me. Okay. There was a time in this country where it was on the table for us discuss, to discuss and debate the merits of having 20,000 nuclear weapons. We're doing and, it right now. It's on the table. It's, it's not on the... It, has that time have you passed? Heard one, have you heard one candidate for president, and we've been doing this now a, a, a year, have you heard one candidate ever discuss the United States nuclear arsenal in a way in which you would assume that they were going to at least be looking at the possibility of reducing it, yeah. of modifying it, yeah. and doing the th- you have. Yeah. You've heard somebody talk. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're two just, candidates. You're just saying that. Mike Gravel oh, okay. and Dennis Kucinich. Okay. They don't oh, count? They, they do count. Okay. Well, then there you go. Oof. I stand corrected. The Iraqi parliament approved the bill that will allow most members of Saddam Hussein's now defunct bath party. Does it, they have a bath party. Do they like get and play with little rubber duckies and stuff? Not even this. It's not funny. The bath part is <laughs> not funny because you just said that the eight hundred pound gorilla thing. What in a bath party? I'm just, I'm just the bath party. I'm just lashing out to be reinstated to public life. Yeah. So he wants members of the bath party back. Is what's going on here? Yeah. The law known as the Justice and Accountability Law was introduced by uh, Jamal Talabani and uh, Nuri Al Maliki. Yeah. Not Al-Mal Maliki. Not that guy. No, but Al Maliki. Mm-hmm. Last March and was passed unanimously. Uh, the law distinguishes between former Ba'ath Party officials who have been charged with crimes for their role in the implementation of the party's oppressive policies. Policies, mm-hmm. in other words, torture stuff like that. Yeah. And those who joined out of necessity and are now free to reapply for positions in the government and military, under the new law, officials banned from reinstatement will collect a pension. Right. And I assume that means if you get reinstated, you also collect a pension. Well, uh, They're just not rewarding those who don't get it. Well, and actually, I, uh, the, the thing I read about this, yeah. this law was that it'll actually exclude more members, former members of the Ba'ath Party, who were in government than it would include. Yeah. That it, I wonder it, if they'll all get pensions. I don't know. I'm a member of the Bath Party. I want an, yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Are you a member or a former member? I mean, are you... Are you whatever a, it takes. Whatever it takes <laughs> to get that. All right. Yeah, I want All some right. bennies here. All right. All right. Just because I, you know, tortured some people, perhaps. <laughs> one of those, Prove it. One of those crazy weekends in Tijuana, <laughs> you know, and pretty soon you end up with uh, a guy in a stress position and, you know... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was revealed uh, that President George W. Bush and seven of his administration's top officials, including Dick and Condi yeah. and Rumsfeld, yeah. made at least 935 false statements. They counted them. This one placement, and they counted through. The Center for Accountability. Yeah. And, <laughs> they, yeah. yeah. In the two years following September 11th, yeah. 2001, about the national security threat, threat posed by Saddam Hussein's Iraq. So they made nearly 1,000 accountable these aren't the ones that they just made you know, that were unaccountable. Right. 
about Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Can you imagine how many they made about other stuff? Right. Nearly five years after the U.S. invasion of Iraq, an exhaustive examination of the record shows statements were part of an orchestrated campaign that effectively galvanized public opinion. Right. And led us into war. And they had a chart on their site. This is the uh, the, publi- the, uh, the Center for Public Integrity. Let me see that chart, Mike. If we can hold up it's the a mic chart. here. We'll show it up so there. Yeah. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a bar, it's a bar graph. And it shows as as little bars. There's a sort of a a peak to this thing, and this was in, I believe, the uh, late. I don't have. You don't have what the bar chart. You don't have the bar chart. I do, but because of a printing glitch, Uh in which my my one of my ink cartridges cartridges was not dispensing the color, so Uh I lost. You can't tell what's what. I lost the chart, but I looked at the chart online, and basically shows just as they were getting ready to, to to vote on. The uh, uh, the measure which was which gave President Bush the authority to go to war, uh, the false statements were on were at their peak. Yeah, and they even broke it down. How's this? This is how thorough they were. Yeah, I'm waiting. Okay, uh, <laughs> false statements. We have Paul Wolfowitz at 85. Yeah, Condoleezza Rice, our Secretary of State. Go, Condi. She had she was uh, identified with fifty six false oh, statements. Oh man, I thought she I, I thought she'd take Sorry. on Wolfowitz on that. I uh, know you you would think. I was uh, rooting for Condi. We have uh, Dick Cheney. Yeah, forty eight. Only the vice president. You mean Wolfowitz actually made more than Dick Cheney? Yeah, I find that hard to believe. No, because I think because Wolfowitz spoke more publicly than than Cheney did. I think That's true. if you were to look at or percentage people understand of him. the percentage of times he spoke in public yeah. and. You know the percentage of how many times he made a false statement. Yeah. Probably you got ninety nine percent of the time he yeah. he got in front of. But they couldn't understand uh, what he was saying anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, let me get. I want to hear some more here. Uh, they have. What uh, about Rumsfeld? They had uh, Secretary of State uh, Powell. Well, Powell. they have uh, George Bush identified with eighty. Uh, t- I'm sorry, twenty eight false statements. That's all. Well, they have nine hundred and thirty-five. Where are, where are they all coming from? We won't, we're not even cracking two hundred. Well, here we yet. go. Okay. Secretary of State. Colin Powell, yeah, identified during this two-year period with two hundred and forty-four false statements. So there you go. Ah, uh, and then you know, then you've got your garden variety. Can we say fall guy? You've got your garden variety sycophants uh, in the yep. administration making. Go ahead, making, Colin. Go ahead. This will be good for the country. You know, I know. Honestly, I'm telling you, all this, all this stuff, the the lionization, the deification of of Colin Powell has always struck me as just. A whole lot of stuff about nothing. Well, he became undeified. I think there. I think he's still revered. I think he's looked upon as the guy. Well, you know, he did his best, and gosh, he was an honorable man. It's just this one thing that he did, you know, at the, in front of the UN. Who says no? That? Well, I. I, I, I think a lot that. of people feel that way about Who? him. Well, I don't identify don't give me people. some people. Some well, people he, when, say, you, when you see him on the news, give me and one person people are commenting about him. He's you know a career soldier. He's so a real American news. Common people, you hear it when you when you that see. That doesn't him. mean anything. Well, anyway, the point is, the point is, he has gotten a free pass where a lot of these other guys have been called on it, yeah. and it seems like Colin Powell's standing. I, I haven't given he's him always a free been, pass. No, look, he's I looked at. He was I'll let you know at, right now. Mike. He was looked up upon as the grown up among the group. He was, he the, was the moderator. Until he made that speech. Well, two hundred and forty-four false statements doesn't yeah. exactly give me the confidence that he was the stand-up guy in all of this. He was, in fact, the leading the proponent of making false statements on exact, Iraq. Exactly my point. Okay. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> no one's looking at him in a good light. No. Well, I think he's still to this day held in some yeah, regard. Yeah, because you say some people. You say some people. And then you uh, don't I, tell look, me who look, those no, people well, are. All right. Okay, I'll do a research paper. I'll get, I'm going to go to the, the Center for Public Integrity and have them do a study. Yeah, on just how go people online feel about, and say, you know, Google... Okay. Colin Powell. I will. I will do that. Good guy. I will do that. And be I sure will, you put quotes about good guy. Good guy. Because <laughs> otherwise, right. you'll get good, right. and then you'll get guy. Yeah. And and it won't I even, don't even care. The Bush right. administration has reached a deal with House leaders on a one hundred and fifty billion dollar economic stimulus deal. Yes. Oh what yes. A stimulus. Jeez. Uh, uh, what do I get stimulated <laughs> with? That's what I. One hundred and fifty billion dollars. How much of that will I see? Oh no. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and that's to yeah. pay for my coffee supply for a month. Uh, well, thank you. Most of the money will go towards tax rebates. For? Individuals will receive $600. Uh, 
All right. In, if you're an individual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're not, another $300 per child that yeah. you have. Yeah. So get cracking. I got to get can it, can there be a bun in the oven and you can still collect a you know a, says a, right a, here a few hundred two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for buns in the oven <laughs> spending would also be boosted on credits for small business and government backed home mortgages at the White House President Bush predicted a boost of course he of course he did what's this he gonna say will take care of everything stimulate. <laughs> Oh my God! I can already feel stimulated by it. Uh, our economy such a, is already such a, it's so stimulated. pathetic. One hundred and fifty billion dollars. Uh huh. This is okay. This is another thing. The economy is in trouble. Recession looms on the horizon, and nobody is talking about the effect that the war of spending ten billion, fifteen billion dollars a month on the on the war in Iraq is having on our economy. Not in any significant way. Let's get out of Iraq. Well, you are. I'm tired of... I, do I have to identify people? Never mind. I'm not going to go Yeah, it would be nice. All right. That's, that's your beef with, with the media. Is what? that They, they don't, don't identify. They would say some people or... That's true. Experts say today. Yeah. Or just like some this. Say, I'm yeah. reading something that says $150 billion economic stimulus deal. Well, really what it is is something to make the folk that shuffle the paper at the stock market feel more secure in the way they're shuffling that paper. Well, that's true. That, that's it's all it is. It gives some confidence, and that's what a lot of a lot of the time, that's what money is about. Money is about confidence. The reason the, that, that the world, most of the world used to trade in American dollars was they had confidence in the American dollar. It, wasn't, it, it didn't matter if it was economically sound to do so, but there was a tremendous confidence in it. So yeah, it does have an impact on it. On okay, the, on, uh, I agree with that. But what what we're not talking about is we've taken we we've taken a trillion dollars and spent it in a sinkhole yeah. in Iraq. Yeah. When the Chinese have probably in that period of time taken that amount of money, a trillion dollars, and stuck it into infrastructure until the Three Gorges Dam. Well, and which to will, and coal will, firing, which will, coal firing which plants built and, on an earthquake. Fault. I know, no, I know. I mean, I'm not that. I'm quite. I'm not questioning. I'm. I'm not questioning the wisdom of the Three Gorge Dam or coal You're saying plants, the Chinese but I'm saying, are, are somehow invested better than we have. Well, they certainly have more wisely spent their money on their infrastructure. Not, yeah. You know, I well, don't, maybe I, this I don't is know not, if that's maybe true. Maybe this is not an argument that I want to get into. I, I mean, would doubt the, it. But the, my point is we have thrown money away huh. in Iraq. And the wow. economy is in serious trouble. We've done that, and I huh? think the two are connected. The war in Iraq and money, and and the fact that the, the U.S. economy is in trouble. Yes, I do think they're. Tr- how how could you not say that? How could I not say that? Yeah, I mean that's just an assumption on this show. Yeah. In the real world, yeah. I, I think it's also an assumption. A lot of people do see the two tied together, but I I rarely, if ever, hear the political leadership making that connection. In this country, Mike, I, they Mike don't. They, they, but the political leadership—that's how the they get pe- to be the leaders. Acceptable. They the don't con- acknowledge the it. conventional wisdom. Is is that there is no that if you were to watch network news, you wouldn't understand that connection. You wouldn't hear that there is a connection. You have to understand the network news. Yeah, that these people are up there propagandists. I understand that, that. they have nothing. So the con- it has nothing to do with conventional wisdom. They just say the words conventional wisdom, and then you think that it's conventional wisdom when all it is is propaganda. If they were speaking the truth, we would all be laying on the floor laughing. Oh. So you have to learn how to interpret I, I what know. the news is yeah, saying I, I, to you. I understand. We live yeah. in this sort of Orwellian news. No, you always have had to. Back in caveman times, people had to interpret really what someone meant by when they said... Uh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. You but know, they, they, they was, were more, you know, there's a mastodon outside. Yeah. Maybe there wasn't. Yeah. Maybe he just hey, wanted that maybe, guy to stay indoors. You think maybe they said the, uh, the. Do you need some coffee? No, no. I'm just trying to come up with something. I understand that. All right. No, I understand all I'm that. saying is we, we trade our, our, the commerce of ideas. Yeah. At political ideas. Yeah. Unfortunately, is still in the mostly in the control of what we see 
on television and we hear on radio, sort of the mainstream media. What no, they isn't. don't tell us what to think. It's not, no, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. It isn't. Listen to me. The, the mainstream media doesn't tell us what to think directly. They tell us what to think about. Okay. And that is and that is a very important distinction in terms of what we discuss. That's a very important part component of what our political leadership talks about when they say this is what we're going to do. These are the issues we're going to address. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very we we know this a very narrowly constructed perspective. Yeah. And my point is is that an important part of what is not being discussed here is the financial implications of the war in Iraq, the implications and the ramifications it's having on the U.S. economy. And I guess my and, point and, would be and, is, and, and, and the practical the practical impact of it is it continues to go on unabated, and it will continue to undermine our economic future. Uh-huh. So you and I know that they're connected, and a yeah. lot of the, the most of America understands they're connected. But the practical ramifications of it are they will continue to pour money, good money after bad, into this situation, which will continue to undermine our economy, which will have a dramatic impact on our lives. Yeah. Okay. But we, but, but but the network news. Yes. That's all we're talking about. Yeah, I here. understand the that. conventional wisdom yes. is not wisdom. No, it's a conventional. With, I agree with you. And, I don't and have so any, the, the key into this is when you're watching people say these things, yeah, to understand that you're not getting conventional or wisdom or anything other than a representation of what people who are excessively greedy and want to hold on to their power and wealth are are paying others to say. Right. But the the net effect it has on the body politic is. Yeah. For us, I personally feel like a nine-year-old having a temp- temper tantrum when mom and dad are going to... Who's still, mom and dad? The government. They are? To very real degree. No, you got it backward. All right. I'm They're having, the nine-year-olds. I'm, I'm having a temper tantrum. Yeah. Okay. You are? Over, over the fact that... Uh, I had no idea you had a temper I'm, tantrum. I'm, I'm having a temper tantrum about... Yeah. about uh, my my cousin billy yeah okay who 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 is stealing my lunch money yeah okay and mom and dad don't really seem to care or understand or pay attention to what so they're going to continue to give me money that uncle uh, that uh, uncle that cousin billy is going to steal from yeah. me okay it doesn't and so the the reality is i'm losing money here. You shouldn't have a temper tantrum. That would be my and recommendation And mommy and daddy aren't going to do anything about it. Having a tenter, temper tantrum plays in to what they want you to do. Well, all right. This is another longer discussion. Let's Because having a temper tantrum allows them to say, see the people I, over I'm, there having temper tantrums, they're the extremists and radicals that are trying to overthrow yeah. the conventional Why wisdom. do they hate America? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why do they hate mommy and daddy? Uh, the White uh, House maybe confirmed. The White House confirmed maybe. that its new budget next month will not request a full year's funding for the war in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun. <laughs> George Bush said, "You know that war that we've been carrying on yeah. for for how many years now? Four years? Yeah, five years. Five years. Is it a complete five? Yeah. Okay, complete five years. Well, I haven't funded it." Till the end almost, of the year, almost. Yeah. So it's four years. Well, <laughs> in March it'll be in, in March. All right. in, in eight weeks it will be. In fact, yes, it five will be years five old. Five years old. Uh, just like your cousin Jimmy. Just, just move on. All right. I'm not going to argue about my cousin. Will Billy. not request a full year's funding for the war in Iraq. So he's giving the incoming president not enough funds. Yeah, of course. And the first thing the incoming president will be forced to do mm-hmm. is to face an underfunded. Who he, who the Republicans will then Swamp. blame for uh, for undermining U.S. Yeah. military operations? Right, you are. This whole year leading up to the end of the Bush administration is all about dumping as much crap on the next president as is humanly possible. Here, here. The Pentagon was making plans to send military personnel to Pakistan to train its security forces. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, they've done a great job so far. Yeah. Nation's top two intelligence officials traveled secretly to Pakistan early this month, month to press President Perez Musharraf to allow the Central Intelligence 
intelligence agency greater latitude to operate in the tribal territories of Pakistan. Musharraf rebuffed the proposals of Michael Hayden and Mike McConnell. That would be CIA director and director of national intelligence. Instead, Pakistan and the U.S. are discussing a series of other joint efforts, including increasing the number and scope of missions by armed predator surveillance aircraft over tribal areas. That'll go over well, I think. just on a just on a purely churlish sort of personal perspective here, have you seen these two guys, Hayden and McConnell? What do you mean? Are these, seen them? Are, have you seen pictures? I mean, you've seen oh yeah, them. I know McCade and McConnell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, what are, they, are they the dweebiest looking guys? You've Why ever? do you say things like that? You're the dweebiest looking guy I've ever think seen. So. I don't think so. I don't think I am the dweebiest guy you've ever seen. Well, you're not the dweebiest guy okay. I've ever seen. I don't seen. see. There but you go. I bet you if I put you in a suit and tie and, and, and they, walked you in with McConnell and, and I'd fit uh, right and in. So yeah, you say, right wouldn't right even would. know. You would say, oh, oh it's, that must be, Isn't that's it? either McConnell's brother or, or Hayden's brother. I'm not yeah. sure which. Uh, they, Wank. Wank. <laughs> and Wanker. And Wank. Yeah. That's um, where it would be. Um, anyway, there there is... At some, we're gonna have to do I, a show on on. I have deep on personal who, what, feelings toward Mike McConnell. Uh, we're gonna have to do. Uh, we should do something someday on up is down when it comes to the Middle East. Up is down. Yeah, a show, a theme, a thematic show. That the people that we're giving the most money to uh-huh. the Saudis, yeah, and the Pakistanis uh-huh. are the ones who have been most responsible. Or to the terrorism that has been visited upon the United States, okay, and for, for and for the proliferation of nuclear weapons, the most god awful, threatening thing that we could possibly do in the Middle East, Pakistan and Saudi Arabia are responsible for more grief, yeah, more unrest, yeah, more agitation, Woo-hoo! more than and then by far than Iran or Iraq, and than any other country, mm. and yet they are are. Our most trusted allies, the people we give the most money to. Mm-hmm. So I think it it bears some looking into in more detail. Opinions and views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, the UC Board of Regents, or any person living or dead. Thank you. By the way, for anyone this who's is tuning, yes, this is KUCI eighty point nine FM, Irvine, California. Anyone who's tuning I'm Nathan in, Callahan. and I'm Mike Caspar. Anyone, Anyone who's, who's thinking, in. would thinking, wow, Dar Jamal, I know these guys usually do their interview at the bottom of the hour, and yeah. that'd be great, and I love the guy. Well, Dar will not be joining us tonight. Dar will not be joining us yeah, today. Today. Did I say tonight? Yeah. So. Dick Cheney called on Congress to make permanent legislation permitting security agencies to tap foreign telephone calls and emails in the U.S. war on terror. So he wants to make that permanent that we can... Who, who wants to do that? Dick the the Dixter wants to do that, huh? Wants to. He said, of "Congress, course. you got to make this legislation permanent. We need access all the time uh-huh. to people's emails and phone records right. to protect them from the terrorist threat in Pakistan of and Saudi Arabia." Of course, he does. Yeah. Uh, Exxon right. Mobil announced their largest annual earnings ever. <laughs> yeah. Which also means ExxonMobil will break their own records at last year as the most money ever made by a company in U.S. history. Well, I think it was about forty billion last year. Well, does it, do you have a number for this year? It was last year. It was like they averaged about ten billion a quarter. Well, in the fourth quarter, it's now going to be ten point three seven billion. Okay. Of, of you know. So I'm guessing from then then if they because they, they did they made about forty billion in profit last year. Yeah. We're going to break that right. Well, that's that's what I'm trying to say. I know here. what you're trying to say, yeah. and that you you did They're a very, gonna probably you did be, a good job. I'm not. I, I believe it was just did. shy of 40 billion. Yeah, and now it's going to be over 40 there billion. There you go. Thank you. Just to give you an idea, that's 106 million dollars a day. Well, let's get that they straight made. for you. That's they a make profit. They just keep. They just keep making this. That's 4.4 million dollars an hour. And let's that's 73 thousand dollars a second. <sighs> 73 thousand dollars a second. That's how much they're making. That's Exxon Mobil. I think that's what it costs. And that's who we're, we're propping up yeah. in the Middle East. And, and by the way, that is also the industry that they so... Uh, so hey, don't drive your car today. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't wait till somebody tells you not to drive your car. Yeah. Don't drive it a lot. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, I think people need to also be reminded... That this is an industry that is being heavily subsidized by U.S. taxpayers. Mm-hmm. They get significant tax advantages. Yeah. 
and also anywhere that there is a significant presence of American oil companies in the world, by some weird quirk and coincidence, there happens to be significant U.S. military presence. So, son of a gun. So we're subs- not only are we subsidizing through tax breaks, but we're also subsidizing them through military intervention. Yeah. So uh-huh. just keep that in mind next time you fire up that Humvee or that Escalade or the Excursion or whatever the hell you're driving. I'm going to fire up my Escalade. <laughs> okay. All right. I think it's an Escalade, isn't it? Escalade. But, uh, but Bobby would say it, Escalade, wouldn't he? Wouldn't I have he? no idea. Bob Dylan we're talking about. I don't like Bob Dylan. I know you don't. Saying that they were waging economic warfare against the Gaza Strip's Hamas leaders, yes, Israeli officials, told the Supreme Court that the military intends to start cutting electricity to the Palestinian territory and continue restricting fuel. Statement by Israel State Attorney outlining defense ministry plans came in response to a lawsuit filed by Israeli and Palestinian rights groups. The activists argue that the restrictions constitute collective punishment of Gaza's 1.5 million people and violate international law. It is. It's a direct... We talked about this last week. Are you an an activist? It's a direct violation of the Geneva Conventions. Uh It is, in fact, a punishable war crime under the Nuremberg Trials. Well, that's your side of the story. That's your side of the story. (laughs) Did you see that thing where the uh, Egyptians opened up their side of the border for uh, a couple of days and they had 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people from uh, Palestinians? What are you doing? What does it matter what I'm doing? Surging across the uh, that border because they had no electricity, no water. People were dying in hospitals because the electricity was being turned off. Yeah. That that is in fact that that is the definition of collective punishment. Right you are. And where's where is our where's uh, where's Condoleezza Rice on this? Where is uh. she? And also, I think it's. I, and I, I think it is. A, let's put some context to this. George Bush just rolled through this region of the world a couple of weeks ago. Bush's trip to the Middle East brought center stage the religious war between evangelicals and Islamists. Well, there you go. Over the holy city of Jerusalem, and helped explain why he's never going to be the honest broker between the Palestinians and Israelis. Why you say? Yeah, why? He ignored complex and religious, regional sensitivities. He only visited Judeo-Christian shrines, tracing the footsteps of Jesus, visit Bethlehem's Church of Nativity and the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus healed the sick, the ruins of Capernaum. You know about that? Uh -uh. You're you're a Christian, aren't you? What's wrong with you? I was raised a Catholic. Where Jesus lived for 30 years, and the Mount of Beatitudes, where Jesus gave his famous sermon. On the Mount. And an ancient synagogue in Capernaum. He did not visit one single mosque in East Jerusalem or the West Bank, which in the eyes of many Arabs has great political significance. That must make me an Arab. Because? Because I think it has great political significance. Oh, okay. They took it as tacit support for Jewish and Christian claims over the Holy City. No, no, uh, no doubt. Yeah. You, you have a president going to uh, uh, he, preach peace in the Middle East, and yet he's only going to one side of those involved in a settlement. Here's the most, geopolitically speaking, the most important, significant region of the world, the one that is having the greatest impact on the world in, in terms of oil and all of it, the whole thing. Yeah. And he's been there, this is, I think, his second visit as president to the Middle East. What's well, kind of scary over there, Mike? In eight years, I mean, I think he went one time. But then he go to, of course, we have those photo ops, the stage photo ops of him showing up on Thanksgiving, the surprise visit to Iraq uh-huh. a few years ago with the plastic turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. But anyway, so he goes there. And right after he goes there, he goes over there to tell the Saudis, yeah, you can have your tens of billions of dollars worth of armaments, uh-huh. which is something we really need to do is pour a lot more armaments into that region. And by God, can you can you help us on oil? Begging yeah. him, begging the Saudis to help us. And right at that time that he shows up, the Israelis essentially cordon off the Gaza Strip and institute a policy that can only be described, in my mind, can only be described as a violation of the Geneva Conventions. Yeah, there's no way they didn't talk about this while he was there. 
And they're all, there's a slew of other things that have happened just as he left town that are very troubling. So this guy, this, what a nightmare. This hey, a news nightmare. from Afghanistan. Yeah. The Afghan court has sentenced a 23-year-old newspaper journalist to death after he was accused of mocking Islam and the Quran. The journalist, Saeed Perviz Kambakash. Wow, oh. that's a tough one. Yeah. That, that, that last name ends in the letters K-H-S-H. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, he was detained three months ago for distributing articles downloaded from the Internet which said the Prophet Muhammad had ignored the rights of women. And so he is sentenced to death. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the progress that George Bush must have been referring to in the State of the I'll Union you, about I'll progress you, in Afghanistan. When you, when you, We're building democracies over there. When you hear about these things, it is so... It's so medieval, and I'm sorry. That's the that's the only thing I think of when you hear about these practices, this perspective. <sighs> and, re- and the reason I say that is, in the in medieval times, it was a punishable offense to read the Bible if you weren't. A, well, a, a, now I'm gonna. If you want to get into that, I will get into that. Okay. Because I don't really know it was a good idea to let people read the Bible. Well, I don't know that it's a good idea to tell well, people uh, yeah, yeah, that, that their that, lives are based on, on a document that they're not allowed to, to read. That's, that's democracy's failings. You end up with people like Huckabee. If, if there was a person who had studied, well, don't look at me incredulously, <laughs> you have to understand, you've got people who have studied years into something, yeah. trying to find the metaphors that are right to convey to people mm-hmm. about being good because, frankly, most people are ignorant and stupid and don't know how to think. Now, if you think otherwise, then go show me how that isn't true. Now, now there might have been some good souls in the church at that time who said, you know, if we hand over this information, they might take this literally. They might really think that the world was created in seven days. And that's exactly what's happened. So to, to say that it was bad to punish people who printed the Bible, that was, that was a bad policy, perhaps, but it came from good intentions. I, I don't agree. But. Well, you don't agree, but tell me why. I just I, showed, I, I gave you my case. I understand. The reason is, is that I think that you, if, if that's untrue, that there were people in the church who, who didn't think of the, of the Bible as a metaphor and wanted to just, you know, you always think that way, too, want to impose their rule on other people. Sometimes there are good intentions involved in, in why those rules are there. I think it's wrong that they would kill somebody, but I also think it's, it's wrong just to assume that everybody should have the ability to read something that was spoken in metaphor and that was preached in metaphor and that came from a spoken word tradition. Yeah. Well, it, it, just describing, and historically speaking, if you go back... There is no reason to believe that these are people of of some kind of uh, uh, divine wisdom. Going back to this, to the founding of the Catholic Church and all the way up through history, so that these people that you're the making Gnostics had great uh, had great. Uh, oh, the, the Gnostics were not somebody that was in 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 control of the of of of, of the tr- structure of the church. Most of That's the time, true, but that tradition of uh, of, of secrecy uh, of the text. My guess could have come from the Gnostics. I, I don't know. All I, I don't what know I'm either. saying, what I'm saying is, these people of you know that are the keepers of the of the of the word. Yeah. If if there was if I had any sense from history that they were doing it for to prevent people. I mean, if they were doing it for the betterment of people, for uh, they were looking out for the welfare of people that they were their of their flock. I would. I may have a different opinion. However, looking at the just enslaved masses, there are there are the, factions of the church that have turned it into a mess. But I don't know that getting a literal translation of the Bible is is a, a uh, something I, that enriches your soul. I think there's. I, a, I think it, it actually degrades th- your soul. And and there might have been people in the church that realized that and didn't want people taking it as literal truth. And I think that that's exactly whether and putting aside any question about the, whether or not Jesus was the Son of God and all that. 
there was a guy who basically stood in front of people and said exactly what we're talking about, gave them the information, imparted to them, encouraged them to, to, do, to do the things that were in the Bible. Are you talking Martin Luther here or what? Jesus. What are you talking about? My goodness, Mike. What? Uh, all I'm saying... Sa- Jesus had a copy of the Bible with him? No, he, t- he t- no. <laughs> Come on now, no, please. the the The, the Bible is is uh, uh, a piece of political, um, right. you know, it's a police, uh, it's a political work. Right. And they got in the the people that believed in Revelations, and they got in the Jews, and they got in everybody they could, and they mashed it together. Yeah. Uh, Jesus could you you could paraphrase what he said in about a you know three paragraphs, right? And how does that even t- begin to tie into the Bible? Except in three paragraphs. All we're ta- all I'm talking about is is trying to say that a literal translation of the Bible. You sh- you can't look. You can't point to one point in time and say the people that that prevented the literal translation of the Bible from getting in the hands of the people are responsible for all all of the misinterpretation and and our signifiers of what's wrong with the church. What's wrong with the church to me is that they actually take the Bible seriously instead of the words of of Jesus. There. (laughs) And that's coming from a confused agnostic. Uh, You don't want to talk to Sue Harto? Yes. He died. I know he did. He, he was 86 years old. He was our guy in, in, uh, in <laughs> Indonesia. That's what he was. He was responsible for uh, human rights abuses. For decades. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he didn't read the Bible. He probably didn't. <laughs> he may have read. We don't know that he didn't read the Bible. Stephen G. Bradbury, the Justice Department lawyer who wrote a series of classified legal opinions in 2005 authorizing harsh CIA interrogation techniques, was renominated. By the White House. Of course he was. Yeah. To a senior department post. All right. Nearly seven months after the House Judiciary Committee voted to hold Bush administration officials in contempt of Congress, Democratic leadership's done nothing now. No. They said they were going to hold them in contempt. Yeah. They didn't do anything. You mean Harriet Myers and that bunch? Yeah. The, uh, Al, uh, yeah. Al, Alberto Bolton. Gonzalez? Yeah. All of them. Gonzalez. We're waiting. When is when is uh, Barack Obama? When are the candidates going to say anything about that? Other than my friends Gravel and Cassandra, who are no longer running. Yeah, no, it's true. They they have not done anything. They have Stephen Johnson, who is the head of the Environmental Protection Agency, said California doesn't have any rights to work, uh, go on its own with its uh, rules for greenhouse gases. It's a federal law. California is not unique. Uh, was it a court? I'm sorry, you said he went. He went on to the uh, where did he go? Uh, no, no, no. Senate committee. Okay, but but <clears throat> California is challenging this. Yeah, California is challenging it. But he went. The head of the EPA goes up and says, "Of course, yeah, your challenge is we reject your we challenge. reject your challenge." Yeah, you know where that's yeah, going. It's going to go go to the courts. The army lowered its recruitment standards again. Uh, let me just say that in uh, uh, high school diplomas, 94% were high school diplomas in 2003. That figure is down to 70% right now. (laughs) Less than a month after President Bush signed legislation for the Freedom of Information Act, the White House was planning to scuttle a special Freedom of Information Act office, and that would be in violation of the law. Of course it would. You know what they're doing, though. They just aren't funding it. Yeah, uh, that's the, well. They're going to move it to another department. Yeah, but no, and stop but funding no, it. And, no, they, they, it's, there's no money in it in the budget for it. Yeah, it's that's in the current uh, budget proposed budget. There's no money for the federal uh, for the Freedom of Information Act. So you're sure request away. Yeah, <laughs> and you want that document? No problem. We'll just yeah. put it right here with the rest of them. That's that is that is despicable. Yeah, because that is one of the ways in which we are a thriving, functioning democracy, is to know what the government's actually doing. So, A new international ranking of environmental performance puts the United States at the bottom of the group of eight industrialized nations and 39th among the 149 countries on the list. So environmental performance, we pretty much suck. 
And be, and since we're the largest um, emitter of, of ozone and environmentally damaging uh, material, that does have some real impact. We are, in fact. We're an emitter? We emit. We emote, too, but we emit a lot of uh, environmentally damaging material. So if we're at the bottom and yeah. we're doing the most, that's a that's an equation that just doesn't really work very well. You know, let's move on to the race for the White House. Okay. Well, you want to talk? We, we have yeah, about we, 10, yeah, 10 minutes left Yeah, here. we were going to talk about this. Yeah. but uh, can, I, can I play you a little thing? Sure, of course you can. Tell you, what I want to play here is uh, John McCain. Okay. And he's speaking about, um, well, he's talking about the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And the state of the military. Mm -hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. My friends, George Washington was right. And what happened at Walter Reed was terrible. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I got to give you some straight talk, my friends. It's a tough war we're in. It's not going to be over right away. There's going to be other wars. I'm sorry to tell you, there's going to be other wars. We will never surrender, but there will be other wars. And right now, we've got to, we're going to have a lot of PTSD to treat, my friends. We're going to have a lot of combat wounds that have to do with these terrible explosive IEDs that, that inflict such severe wounds. And my friends, it's going to be tough, and we're going to have a lot to do. Now, my question is, is yeah. this, does this sound like a healthy man to you? No. Does this sound like a guy you want to be president? No. <clears throat> it certainly doesn't bode well for – this is not the, uh, the politics of hope that uh -huh. he's, that he's uh, articulating here. And it sounds like perhaps being a prisoner of war in solitary confinement <clears throat> is is not the best thing for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if that that incarceration has. Well, had they've always held that up as I some know. sort of he's a hero because he spent all this time as a prisoner of war. Yeah. Well, he may be a hero, but that doesn't mean that he's mentally fit to run a country. Well, and, and I really think I've heard that this. there's something wrong with the guy, the guy that, you know, who gets slammed by our current president and then stands up on stage and gives him a big bear hug. I know. No, his behavior in the last four years, his really troubling stuff. He's gone. He, I, I guess <clears throat> he apparently wants to be president more than he wants uh, to be some, uh, somebody with some integrity yeah. because he has demonstrated he will do anything. All of the, you know, really, you look at, except for Huckabee, Romney, Giuliani, and McCain have all kissed a lot of butt in the last, and done some really, truly, mind-bogglingly hypocritical things. Um, and Huckabee is a bit of a whack job. So the Republicans really, I don't see, I don't honestly, honestly, I don't care who they nominate. I don't see any of them winning. Yeah. I really don't. Joe Lieberman uh was named as the chairman of the Republican presidential uh, no. campaign of John McCain. Oh, okay. Lieberman. Yeah, I know. Be, I know. I know what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> well, you thought I was going to say the the head of the Republican, yeah, uh, the national committee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I surprise mean, no, me. Wouldn't, actually, yeah. at this point, it really wouldn't. We're reaching out. It's a bipartisan gesture. <laughs> what, what, I just. What is the guy? What's the dip droopy dog? Hello, yeah. Joe. Remember the uh, cartoon? Is character? that the way you feel? That's he reminds me of that guy. You know that that cartoon character, the dog. Yeah. That, oh the, yeah, Joe Lieberman. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, he's, yeah it was yeah, everywhere. The wolf would run, and he would always hello, Joe. Now I'm gonna, I want to play you another candidate here. Okay, this is from a, a month or so back. May, okay. may I do that? Yeah. Please. This is a Mitt Romney. What kind of name is <laughs> Mitt anyway? Say. I, I just don't. I don't get that name, but that's okay. Yeah. I can, I can get past the name. Mitt. It just sounds so preppy to me. It, it really you know, does. Like Biff it, it and does. It does. It just does have that sort of polo yeah. wearing, you know. Tennis or polo, Mitt. Yeah, you know, with a sweater tied around his neck, that <laughs> kind of look, you know. he. Yeah. I don't know, Buffy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Let me finish my iced tea first. It's just so. Uh, uh, so Mitt gets approached by someone who has cerebral palsy, oh, and I the only that. way that he can really relieve himself of the pain and suffering he's going through is uh, medical marijuana. Right. And you're going to hear some of uh, Mitt's response right now. Um, I suffer from an extremely rare type of muscle dystrophy, and I have to take medication or I'll die. Right now I weigh less than 80 pounds. I have all my life. Um, I have support of five of my doctors saying that I am living proof that medical marijuana works. 
I am completely against legalizing it for everyone, but there is medical person support. And you, and you have synthetic marijuana that's available and other pain It medications. makes me sick. I have tried it and it makes me throw up. I have tried all the medications there are and all the forms that come in, appetite stimulators or steroids. I have muscular dystrophy that's completely against my DNA. I'm sorry to hear my, that. Uh, my question for you is, will you arrest me and my doctors if I get medical marijuana I'm not, I'm, not in, I'm not in favor of medical marijuana being So will you have country. me arrested? How are Excuse you? me. I'm sorry. Will you please answer my question? Will you have, wait, wait, are you not going to answer his question, Governor? I, I think I have. I'm not then, No, he asked you if you were going to arrest He asked if you were going to arrest patients you? like him, nice Governor. You. You're going to just ignore a person in a wheelchair? Uh, I spoke with him. I know, but he didn't answer his question. Now, I said uh, the wrong thing. He has muscular dystrophy. And yet this guy, though, is, is confined to a wheelchair. Yeah. And he's asking Romney if he'll be arrested. He said he's tried yeah. all kinds of medications. The synthetic marijuana has not worked for him. And, and he wants to know if his doctors and himself will be arrested if he continues to use medical marijuana. And like all the, pre- all, all the presidential candidates, it's embarrassing to watch them actually confront somebody who has a real problem. Right. You know, not somebody who's... In an abstract. Yeah, in, in an abstract The royal weed. Uh, who, who wants a, a, a tax cut because he wants to buy a... A second home. Yeah, this is this is somebody who has a real problem, a life and death problem, right? A suffering problem. Yeah, who's asking a straight up question? Right. This is a case where the invisible hand of the marketplace and government policy are not working. Yeah, for this man. Yep. And uh, yeah, is these guys are fine as long as they can talk about this stuff in the abstract. Yeah. That's two because we got so we got John McCain. Yeah. I, I don't have everybody handled my here. Friends, my friends, we're going to yeah, go to war. And there's going to be a lot of wars. Friends, we're going to go to war. There's going to be a lot of wars. A lot yeah. of people are going to end up with post-traumatic stress friends. disorder. Straight talk. Straight, straight talk. talk. It's straight my talk. Friends, you my may friends. not yeah, my friends. And this guy, Mitt, Mitt and Buffy, think that uh, they, they should be arresting people with muscular dystrophy. It'd be okay. It'd be okay with them. Yeah. Uh, to arrest a man who is in a, confined because to a wheelchair. He, uh, because the only way he can get any relief is to smoke, smoke some marijuana. marijuana. Medical marijuana. He has everything, you know, he has the permit and all that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All righty. Now, I didn't didn't even bother with Giuliani. Oh, darn. Mr. 9-11. Nosferatu? Yeah. Yeah. But I do have. Yeah. I'm going to hit Hillary and Obama. Good. From the back end. Hit him hard. My friend Mike Gravel had something uh, to say to oh, him. Oh, there you go. Yeah. This is fantasy land. <laughs> We're talking about ending the war. My God, we're just starting a war right today. There was a vote in the Senate today. Joe Lieberman, who authored the Iraq resolution, has authored another resolution, and it is essentially a fig leaf to let George Bush go to war with Iran. And I want to congratulate Biden for voting against it, Dodd for voting against it, and I'm ashamed of you, Hillary, for voting for it. You're not going to get another shot at this because what's happened... If this war ensues, we invade and they're looking for an excuse to do it. And Obama was not even there to vote. Senator Clinton, I want to give you a chance to respond. <laughs> That's Clinton's respond. Yeah. Lots of laughter. Isn't that funny? Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, somebody actually gets excited about a war. Yeah. That we may Yeah. We may go to with, with another country. With another country. Hillary votes in favor of letting George Bush What she tried to say was Really not authorizing, like she tried to say about the first, the Iraq resolution, which, lo and behold, she was shocked to to to, to learn that Bush could actually use it to go to war, yeah. when everyone in the world knew that that's what he was going to do. Well, she plays that game a lot, and I think she plays it well to her constituency. Yeah. Hillary didn't know. How could she have known? Yeah. Well, first of all, she didn't apparently read the uh, the, the assessments by the CIA that contradicted the, the the party line it was a hundred page report that she couldn't bother to she couldn't be bothered with to read which would have told her everything that she now says she had no idea was happening at the time she knew she could have known at the time if she wanted to and uh voted because it was politically expedient yeah. to look like you were supporting the president not that it had anything to do with your principles or anything else it was politically expedient to do so and Obama, for all his swagger, doesn't have the courage to stand up and vote. He doesn't even show up. Right. Okay. 
Now I just want to move on to one other. Okay. Because he gets a lot of signage here in Orange County. Ron Paul. Ron Paul. And this is also going to be kind of a, a rough, uh, you have to strain maybe to hear what he's saying yeah, here. The but may not but they nice. asked him a question about, uh, the question about evolution. Oh. That is at, at, a, at a debate. Okay. They asked Ron Paul about, uh, you know, his response to the question of evolution. Well, at first I thought it was a very inappropriate question, you know, for, uh, for, the, for the president seemed to be decided on a scientific matter. And uh, I, um, I think there, there is a theory, theory of evolution, and, and I, I don't accept it, you know, as a theory. But I think the creator that, that I know, uh, you know, created us, every one of us, and created the universe, and the precise time and manner and, uh, and all, I, I, I just don't think we're at the point where anybody has absolute proof on either side. No one has absolute proof on either side. It's just a theory. You know, I, this is this is another person where people think so highly of, right. and and they were they're claiming this was taken out of context. Right. But how can you take something out of context that, where he's saying the theory of evolution is just a theory? Well, and he a has, and, theory and, and, in and he, science, it's not just a guess. Right. It is the way things happen through repeated tests. That's the theory. Everything is a theory in science. Right. There 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 are no. Positive. And given the controversy that this scientific theory has generated since its introduction, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it's probably the most vetted it is. scientific it is. theory. It is. It's absolutely the most and, vetted scientific And that maybe ever. I mean, yeah. other than maybe Einstein's theory of relativity, I would be willing to bet you that this has you been... You don't need to bet, Mike. Yeah, it okay, is. Yeah. It is the most vetted so theory ever. So for this ever. clown to come along and say... And and treat it as if, well, you know, it's cum si cum sa, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe not, yeah. is is outrageous. And, uh, and and he frames it at first, I don't know, it's kind of difficult to hear, and yeah, I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah. It's an inappropriate question. Yeah. It's an inappropriate no, question no. to talk about. No, it's well, not. it's not because it applies to a scientific, uh, whether you how you're going to face scientific questions in the presidency. Right, right, right. It has a lot to do with how you're going to look at stem cell research. Right. And, and it... It does have a lot to do with all sorts of disease and and uh, right. research questions that will come before a president. He says it's an inappropriate question to decide the presidency. Right. And given the in the context that our the American political arena is dominated now by these sort of religious, quasi-religious questions, whether or not we're a faith-based society and all this other nonsense— it is. It's a relevant question because it really is the, the crux of, of, of what we are in terms of our political discussions and yeah. our agenda. So, yes, it is appropriate. And wrong answer. He, wrong gets answer. The, he gets the buzzer on that one. So, I do have one and finally here. Okay. You want to go for that? And, sure. And we'll, we'll just we'll kick it in the head. Yeah. And finally. Okay. Back in 1975, Rolling Stones guitarist... Keith Richards. Well, before you, I know, okay, can I just do one real quick one? Sure. Because I think this is a nice coda on today. Okay. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt that he is amassing them to use against our friends, against our allies, and against us. That is a lie. That is a lie. That is the that is the that is maybe the biggest lie of all. Yeah, it might be the biggest lie in the history of this country. Yeah, eventually by the highest ranking official to ever utter. Well, God knows, there's a lot of lies that have been told no, no, I'm, by all presidents I'm and is, all the rest of is it. it but, is that where we're headed right now? Yeah. If we do not correct course, you could easily say that that bit of yeah. speech by Dick Cheney. In front of the of, of veterans of foreign wars, yeah. back in the day, back in two thousand and three, pushed this country into a slide it never covered, recovered from. Hmm. Anyway, and you had the Keith Richards thing, and, and finally, yeah. Well, this ties in. This also is a coda. Yeah, and it ties into Mr. Huckabee. Yeah. Back in nineteen seventy five, Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards and fellow band member Ron Wood were driving from Memphis to Dallas when a patrolman observed their car swerving and pulled them over. <laughs> 
Richards claimed he was adjusting the radio. <laughs> I can imagine him doing it too. <laughs> I'm adjusting the radio. But he pleaded guilty to reckless driving and paid a $162 fine. 31 years later, Richards, back in Arkansas for a Rolling Stones concert, told the audience that he used to know the chief of police there. Uh, then Governor Mike Huckabee, hmm. himself a part-time bass player, was in the audience after the show. Huckabee went backstage and seized the moment. Keith, he said, I can pardon you and get that off your record. You can have a clean start in Arkansas. Recalling the evening for uh, GQ magazine, Huck mused that perhaps this small gesture might someday lead to his being able to give a full pardon before God for all the things that he's done. Uh-huh. Yeah. Within a few months, Huckabee had personally filled out the pardon application to the Arkansas Parole Board, secured signatures of all the requisite board members, and acquired for his state an original Keith Richards autograph. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sweet? That is such a sweet story. This is the Christian presidential candidate. This is so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. Questions about the performer's criminal history, personal background, and drug use were left <laughs> blank. Huckabee later said, Hey, if you can play guitar like Keith Richards... I'll consider pardoning you, too. Weekly Signal's Weekly Review is broadcast every Tuesday on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. To learn more about Weekly Signals or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.